Sports Island is a complete sports podcast covering all major news and topics from across the PGA Tour, NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, and NCAA. This podcast focuses on sports only, as political, racial, and social issues are not discussed. If you are a sports fan and are looking to stay up to date on all of the major news and topics from across the major sports, then Sports Island is truly your getaway destination. You're listening to the Sports Island Podcast with your host, Rick Mitchell. And now, the Sports Island Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This is version 57 of the show. And we did an episode last week that was pretty loaded uh, with info. Did a lot of bowl college football playoff projections and stuff. And I didn't know if this, if another episode was going to happen before the end of the 2021 calendar year. But uh, the events of this last week have really uh, forced another episode. So you can call this the Christmas episode or the emergency episode, whatever you'd like. But the third wave of COVID, known as the Omicron variant, uh, has struck the sports world and really caused a massive disruption on all levels, from the pro levels of the NFL, NHL, NBA, to the college ranks as well, college football, um, with their playoffs getting uh, ready to go. And so it's it, we're going to get into all of that. Of course, we're going to do our regular standings updates as well. But we're going to start off in the PGA Tour. There was only one event that has happened, and that was the PNC Championship. And that was at the Ritz-Carlton Golf Course in Orlando, Florida. And it's basically, the nickname of it is the Father-Son Challenge, basically, uh, is what it is. And it's 22-man teams, a lot of father and, you know, father and son. There was one daughter, uh, father-daughter uh, team with Nelly Corda of the PGA Tour, Olympic gold medalist there for the women. But uh, what it was, the main thing is is that uh, Tiger Woods returned to the course, and he played with his son, Charlie. Now, they did this last year as well, and Tiger, this was his first actual golf event since his car crash earlier this year, and uh, when it was all said and done, <clears throat> Team Daly, it was John Daly and his son, ended up winning uh, with a score of 27 under par. Now, mind you, this event is only two rounds. So they, they had the Pro-Am on Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday were the uh, two rounds that they played. So uh, it was basically a, <clears throat> a best ball format for the two players on each team. And Team Daly, they went 60-57 and 57 for their two rounds to win with a score of 27 under par, which was actually the new tournament record for the 36-hole scoring. They beat that by a shot to set the new record. Um, John Daly's son goes to the University of Arkansas, and uh, so he's he's a little older than Tiger Woods' son, Charlie, who I believe is only 13. But uh, Team Daly looked good. They won 27 under par. Team Woods, Tiger and Charlie, in his first event, it was 25 under par was their score. So they came in solo second, two shots back of Team Daly. Now, Tiger and Charlie looked really good. Uh, Charlie, 
I don't want to say that he carried Tiger, but he really, really helped uh, Team Woods stay in that upper echelon there <clears throat> for scoring. At one point, Tiger and Charlie had made 11 birdies in a row, uh, which includes an eagle in that. So uh, that was in their, their final round there, the second round. And that was the longest uh, birdie streak in tournament history. So uh, they played really well. Charlie Woods is just phenomenal. And I would fully expect him to be on the PGA Tour um, whenever he's old enough to do so. He's just exceptional. There was a tie for third, Team Thomas, uh, Justin Thomas and his dad, and then Team Sink, Stuart Sink and his son, I believe. <clears throat> they played to a 24 under par. So both of those teams were one shot back of Team Woods and three shots back of Team Daly. Now, I didn't catch any of the actual round. I just saw a bunch of highlights from this. Uh, pretty cool event, though. And like I said, Team... Woods, man, Charlie is just an absolute baller on the golf course. Um, way better than uh, the, your average 12, 13, 14-year-old would be. But the the next event that's on the, the PGA Tour schedules is January 6th through the 9th of 2022. So coming up here in a couple weeks, it's the Century Tournament of Champions, which will be held at the Plantation Course in Kapalua, Hawaii. And it will be the first of two consecutive events in Hawaii for the PGA Tour. The first one is that. Second one will be over in Honolulu. So uh, I know, I believe I read Phil Mickelson has already committed to this Century Tournament of Champions. So there'll be some some bigger name golfers out there here in a couple of weeks. But we'll we'll get into that as we get a little closer to it. But we'll move over to the National Football League and do a standings update here. We are through 15 weeks of the NFL season. Uh, approaching week 16 here. Christmas weekend is week 16 of the NFL. Of course, we have 18 games, or 18 weeks rather, 17 games scheduled this year. And the NFL is really kind of where we started to see the Omicron variant be a factor in sports. Uh, lots of players testing positive for COVID, lots of coaches testing positive, even uh, most majority of the NFL is vaccinated, and uh, these guys are still testing positive, which um, the NFL, at one point this past week, there were 47 players on COVID reserve, uh, which uh, is very high, and it has forced, uh, it was forcing multiple postponements of games there in week 15. We actually had uh, two, well, the... Las Vegas Cleveland game got moved from Sunday to Monday. The Seattle LA Rams game and Washington Philadelphia games both got moved to Tuesday due to large number of COVID tests in those organizations. We had two Tuesday night games, which was the first time that's happened since 1934. And then with that amended schedule right now that we are still in the middle of basically between last between week 15 and week 16 with the um, the changes that were made we had NFL games this past Saturday, Sunday, Monday and Tuesday and then in week 16 we have them on Thursday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday and that's as it sits right now which means that 8 out of 10 days in that 10 day span 8 of those days had an NFL football game uh, being played, which is, it's awesome for the football fan, obviously, you get to watch football almost every night, uh, Wednesday was the only night we did not have a game, 
but uh, it's just been absolutely crazy. The NFL has actually moved to a uh, has moved their testing protocols to what they call spot testing. So they're not testing players daily or weekly. They're uh, they are. I mean, they are testing players daily, but it's not the whole team. Basically, spot testing involves like position groups uh, on specific teams. Just ran. You can call it random testing. Um, almost like a like a random drug test, so to speak. But it, they do it by position group because chances are, uh, if one person has it in the group, the other person will as well. So uh, that's kind of how it's been going on. I think that's the appropriate way to handle it. Uh, we've seen a lot of teams have to call up players from the practice squad, uh, but that's just kind of the way it's going to go, at least for the next uh, few weeks here, the end of the regular season. But we'll get into a standings update here real quick. Over in the AFC, uh, the AFC East, the New England Patriots, um, they are atop the division at 9-5. and five. They had a seven-game win streak, and then they finally lost this past week, so they're still up top. They lead by a game over the Buffalo Bills, who are eight and six. The Miami Dolphins continue to win. They're on a six-game winning streak. They're seven and seven. They are uh, in the hunt for a playoff spot, believe it or not. And the New York Jets are three and 11, losers of three in a row. Over in the AFC North, this thing changes weekly, uh, this division. The Bengals are now up top at eight and six. <clears throat> and then the Baltimore Ravens are also eight and six. But the Ravens did... In week 15, exactly what they did in week 14, they uh, go down the field, get a touchdown to pull within one point very late in the game. They have the option to either kick the extra point uh, to tie it or go for two to try and win it. They did that against Pittsburgh in week 14 and did not get the two-point conversion, thereby losing the game. So they decided, John John Harbaugh and the Ravens decided to do that exact same thing again in week 15 and did not do it. Um, so they lost that game as well. They've lost their last three games by four points combined, which is just insane. Uh, back-to-back one-point losses. They've lost three in a row. They're still, they're eight and six. They're still in the hunt for a playoff spot. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are seven, six, and one. Uh, they, like I said, don't don't count out a Mike Tomlin coach team. They just keep hanging around. Uh, I don't know if they're going to get in. They're they're very much on the edge. That tie may actually help them because uh, they're they're technically better than a seven and seven team. So we'll see how that ends up. Then the Cleveland Browns just lost on Tuesday night on a last second field goal to Vegas. So they're seven and seven. Over in the AFC South, the Tennessee Titans are nine and five. The Indianapolis Colts are eight and six. They had a huge win over New England in Week 15. Uh, they're on a two-game winning streak. Jonathan Taylor is making a very strong push for NFL MVP. They are probably going to be in the playoffs the way that they're playing. Uh, the Houston Texans are three and eleven. They won this past week, and they did so with the help of a 98-yard kickoff return for a touchdown, which was their first kick return touchdown as a franchise since October 4th, 2009, which is 4,459 days. That was the longest active kick return touchdown drought in the NFL, so they did break that. Now, last in the AFC South, the Jacksonville Jaguars are 2-12, 
Uh, this past week, they fired head coach Urban Meyer. Basically, right after the last episode dropped last week, Urban Meyer was fired. He had coached just 13 games. He was 2-11, and and he had quite a bit of drama off the field. Uh, reports indicated that he had kicked kicker Josh Lambeau at one point during the season. Uh, of course, he had that off-the-field stuff in the bar, uh, dancing with that uh, the chick that is not his wife. And uh, he just was the center of a lot of controversy within. So Shad Khan, the owner of the Jaguars, decided it was probably too much to overcome. And they gave Urban Meyer the boot, and they fired him with cause. So they are not liable for the remaining balance of his contract, which is good because that saves them quite a bit of money. Over in the AFC West, the Kansas City Chiefs looking good. They're on a seven-game win streak. They're up to 10-4, first place in the entire AFC right now. <clears throat> looking good. The offense is, looks like it's back on track, although they've been hit with COVID this past week. Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill both ended up on the COVID list this week, so we'll see if either of those guys play. The Los Angeles Chargers are 8-6, and six, uh, second in that division. Ju- quarterback Justin Herbert. He became the um, leader in passing yards through his first two seasons in NFL history. And he did so in only 29 starts. He broke Andrew Luck's record of 8,196 yards in his first two seasons by doing that in 29 games as opposed to Andrew Luck doing it in 32. So the kid's, the kid's a superb talent. He can sling it. We know that. If you watch the, the Chargers games, you know how good he is. And then uh, the last uh, third and fourth place teams in the AFC West right now, they're both 7 and 7. Third place is the Las Vegas Raiders and uh, fourth place is the Denver Broncos. Denver had a tough loss. I think their percentage to make the playoffs right now is less than 5%, so uh highly doubt we see Denver in the playoffs. But over in the NFC, start off in the NFC East, <clears throat> my Dallas Cowboys, they're winners of 3 in a row. They're up to 10-4. and four. Uh, They look really good. That defense, offense is kind of sputtered. Defense is going to carry. If this team is going to go far in the playoffs, it's going to be because of the defense. In fact, Dallas is the first team uh, since 2007 to have a player with 10-plus interceptions with Trevon Diggs and 10-plus sacks, Micah Parsons. And in 2007, the, the then San Diego Chargers did that with Antonio Cromartie, who had 10 picks, and Sean Merriman, who had 12 and a half sacks. So Diggs is already at 10, and I fully expect Micah Parsons to eclipse 12 and a half sacks on the season. But uh, the beginning of the year, Cowboys, it was all about offense, offense, offense. Let's see what the defense does. Now it's all about defense, defense, defense. One of the best in the league, and the offense has been kind of sputtering. So if the offense can catch up to the defense, this team definitely has the uh, expectation of a Super Bowl. Philadelphia Eagles, they're 7-7. Seven and seven. Uh, They had a big win on Tuesday night against the Washington football team to jump into that second-place spot. They're in the hunt for a playoff berth as well. Uh, Washington, with that loss to Philly, they're 6-8 and eight on a two-game skid, <clears throat> and they go to Dallas this weekend. Uh, the New York Giants are 4-10. and ten. They've lost three in a row. They have shut down quarterback Daniel Jones for the remainder of the season due to his neck injury, which makes sense because they are not making the playoffs. Uh, over in the NFC North, the Green Bay Packers have clinched 
a uh, well clinched the division. So they are they're eleven and three. They've already won the NFC North. They've won three in a row. Aaron Rodgers just continues to ball out, uh, no matter who's out there. Minnesota Vikings are seven and seven. They uh, they're hanging around too. They're technically the seventh seed uh, entering Week 16. They're the seventh seed in the NFC, so they are in a playoff spot. Uh, Dalvin Cook has been placed on the COVID list, so he will not be available for Week 16. The Chicago Bears are four and ten. Another ugly loss. They've lost three in a row. Matt Nagy's on his way out, more than likely. And then the Detroit Lions are two eleven and one. They actually won in Week 15. They demolished the Arizona Cardinals for their second victory, just a complete upset. And uh, that win, believe it or not, this over in the NBA, the Detroit Pistons also won on Sunday, and that was the first time that both the Lions and the Pistons have won a game on the same day in over four years. November 19th, 2017 was the last time that that happened. Uh, and the Pistons, as we'll get into in the NBA, they had broke a 14-game losing streak with that win. So pretty uh, difficult times there in Detroit. But the Lions are now 2-11-1. Over in the NFC South, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 10-4. and uh, they, they just cannot figure out the Saints. They lost again this week to the Saints. Uh, in doing so, Rob Gronkowski became the fifth tight end in NFL history to reach 9,000 career receiving yards. But that was a costly loss for the Buccaneers. Not only did it make them uh, drop from second to third in the NFC, but they also lost wide receiver Chris Godwin for the year. He tore his ACL. It was a low hit. No flag was called. Um, Been debate on whether or not there should have been a flag or a fine or whatever. But nonetheless, Chris Godwin is out for the year. That's a huge loss. And then in that game, Uh, Wide receiver Mike Evans also left with a hamstring injury. There's been no uh, official word on his availability here for Week 16, but you got to figure they're going to uh, make plans to be with a lesser uh, Mike Evans or no Mike Evans. And then running back Leonard Fournette also hurt his hamstring on an awkward tackle. Kind of did the splits almost. Um They've placed Leonard Fournette on injured reserve, so he's out for the rest of the regular season. He should be back for the playoffs, but because of that, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have signed running back Le'Veon Bell for the rest of the season. Now, mind you, Bell uh, Bell was just cut by the Baltimore Ravens, I think maybe three or four weeks ago. Didn't really work out there. Did score a touchdown with them, but uh, this reunites Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown from their Pittsburgh days, so we'll see how that goes. Second place in the NFC South, the New Orleans Saints. They're 7-7. Seven and seven. They're currently the first team out of the playoffs at the moment. They're on a two-game winning streak. Uh, they just beat those Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Week 15 and shut them out. Uh, it was a ugly game, both, both sides of the ball, but it was a, a, a shutout victory for the Saints, and it was the first time since Week 15 in 2006 that Tom Brady had been shut out. And back then, Tom Brady was only 29 years old, Drew Brees was playing in his first season with the New Orleans Saints, and there were no current active defensive players in the league that had entered the NFL at that point. So it has been a hot minute since Brady was shut out. The Saints have Brady's number. Uh, they two of two of the Buccaneers' losses this year have been to the Saints. They just continue to figure him out. Uh, I guess it's the scheme, but uh, yeah, the Saints are are rocking and rolling there. They're 
Taysom Hill has been placed on the COVID list, so he will not be available here in Week 16. Rookie quarterback Ian Book is going to start for the Saints. And you can just see a lot of big-name players on a weekly basis getting put on the COVID list. Third place in the NFC South, the Atlanta Falcons are 6-8. and eight. Uh, They are uh, still mathematically alive for a wild-card spot, just don't see that happening. And then the Carolina Panthers, they're 5-9. and nine. They've lost four in a row. Sam Darnold has been cleared to play. Co- uh, head coach Matt Rule has said that Cam Newton is going to start at quarterback, but uh, Sam Darnold will get some reps in that game. And Cam Newton has been uh, just a complete failure of an experiment. Uh, they signed him to a one-year $10 million deal, um, I don't know, what, six or seven games into the season. And that has not worked out. He does continue to get rushing touchdowns, though. And it's like he, I think he has won in almost every game that he's played. Um, he still is, has not won a game with the Panthers since the, I think, the as the Panthers quarterback. Uh, there was obviously some time where he was with the Patriots and whatnot. But I, don't, I think it's been since 2017 that he's won a, won a game as the Panthers starting quarterback. But I did come across this stat. Uh, Since 2011, which is when Cam Newton entered the league, here are the rushing touchdown leaders. All right, top four guys in rushing touchdowns in the NFL since 2011. Cam Newton is first with 75. Adrian Peterson, 68. Now that includes his uh, three or four touchdowns he's had this year between uh, Tennessee and Seattle. Todd Gurley, 67, and Derrick Henry, 65. So uh, you can see Cam Newton is uh, seven touchdowns clear of AP, eight clear of Gurley, and 10 clear of Derrick Henry. And he still continues to pound the rock into the end zone. Over in the NFC West, the Arizona Cardinals are 10-4. and four. They lost that ugly game to the Lions. They're on a two-game losing streak. They just do not look like themselves at the moment, and they got some bad news too. Week 14, DeAndre Hopkins actually got hurt uh, and left the game with a knee injury, and they said that it was going to probably keep him out the rest of the regular season, but it was officially diagnosed as a torn MCL. So with that being said, uh, the soonest the team has said that uh, we'll see DeAndre Hopkins back would be either the NFC Championship game or the Super Bowl if the Cardinals make it that far, which uh, at the way that they're playing right now, I do not believe that they are going to be there. And I just don't see how DeAndre Hopkins is going to play on a torn MCL uh, either way, whether or not the Cardinals make it that far. So keep an eye on that. The LA Rams, they're 10-4. and four. They've finally caught up to the Cardinals. Of course, they beat the Cardinals in week 14 uh, and then just beat Seattle for the second time uh, in week 15 to pull into a first-place tie with the Cardinals. They've won three games in a row. Uh, quarterback Matthew Stafford became the fastest player in NFL history to reach 50,000 career passing yards. And then wide receiver Cooper Cup which is Stafford's favorite weapon. He's just been on another level all year long. He's the first player in the Super Bowl era to record 90-plus receiving yards in 10 consecutive games. He's got over 1,600 yards, 14 touchdowns so far in 15, uh, 14 games, rather. And he's just an absolute uh, beast. I mean, he's he's just he's probably going to beat Calvin Johnson's record. I think he's about 340 yards away from beating Calvin Johnson's record. And he's got one more game to do it, but there's a chance he could do it in 16 games. Um, but 
that's that's pretty much where the NFL is right now, standings update wise. Uh, we're definitely got some tight playoff races. I think there's uh, 12 teams uh, in the AFC that are either in a playoff spot or within one game of a playoff spot, which is the first time that that's ever happened since the 1970 merger this late into the season. So uh, we are seeing some good, exciting football. It's going to be a photo finish here over these uh, next couple of weeks. So be sure and pay attention to the standings because they change uh, very rapidly. But we'll move over to the National Hockey League and do a standings update here. Uh, this is the probably second most prevalent place we've seen the Omicron variant uh, come alive. And basically, uh, it's had major impacts in the NHL. You have seven Canadian teams in the National Hockey League, and Canada has just enacted a new law that restricts travel between the United States and Canada. So uh, that is highly problematic for these teams that need to travel to Canada to play. And because of that, the NHL was going to postpone some games and reschedule um, and it got to the point where the NHL ultimately made the decision to pause the league and start their holiday break a couple days sooner than expected. So the NHL released a statement saying that the season would pause after the December 21st games, thereby starting the holiday break. Now, the holiday break for the NHL for Christmas is scheduled to be from December 22nd to December 25th, with players reporting back to their clubs on December 26th. Now, the NHL specifically designated December 26th as a travel-slash-testing-slash-practice day, and only uh, the practices, if, if the teams do practice on the 26th, they must take place after 2 p.m. local time. And the NHL's regular season is going to resume on Monday December 27th. So basically, the NHL had so many cases, and with the restrictions of the Canadian teams not being able to travel over here, or the teams in the U.S. not being able to travel over there, uh, the NHL decided to uh, pause the season two days early and give an extra two days on their holiday break. Now, I'm not sure if the two days is going to help clear up some of the cases, but that is the hope. Uh, there were already 11 teams that had dealt with uh, some kind of postponements or were facing postponements of games due to the high number of COVID tests. So uh, the hope is that with the extra couple days uh, to settle down, uh, maybe the, some of those numbers will go down and they'll be ready to go on the 27th. I don't know that the travel restriction is going to change between now and the new year, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. But the other major news out of the NHL is that the NHL and the NHLPA have agreed that NHL players are not going to participate in the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing. Uh, and they agreed on that this past week. And that's obviously solely due to the high number of Omicron variant COVID tests that have popped positive. And that's a big disappointment because one of my favorite parts of the Winter Olympics is the hockey, obviously. A uh, big hockey guy here. And watching the NHL players represent their countries, just because there's such a good mix of international talent 
in the NHL that it makes those Winter Olympics very, very competitive. It's not just the U.S. and Canada that does well. It's it's other, you know, Sweden, Finland, Russia, Czech Republic. Uh, there's very good teams uh, internationally that that are represented in the Olympics. So it's it's a big bummer. It's basically going to be uh, players that aren't currently in the NHL that. Uh, you know, former NHL players or uh, college kids. So it's it's not going to be the level of an NHL or Olympic games. It might still be competitive. Uh, I'm not saying that it won't be. It's just not going to be the hockey that we're used to seeing. So um, the belief, though, around the league is that because the NHL players are not participating in the Olympics, that two-week break that they have in February for the Olympics uh, is going to be used to make up all the games that have already been postponed or that will continue to be postponed. So I guess that's, if there's any solace in that, it's the fact that uh, they're going to use that break to still continue to play hockey. So that is good for the NHL. But we'll get into a standings update here. Uh, now, these standings are current as of the NHL's pause. All right, So these standings will not change until... Monday, December 27th, when the games resume. And in the Eastern Conference, the Metropolitan Division, Carolina Hurricanes, 21-7-1. They've won two in a row. Washington Capitals, 18-6-7. The New York Rangers, 19-7-4. One of the hottest teams in the NHL, probably, uh, yeah, one of the hottest is the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're 17-8-5. They've won seven games in a row. Looking really good. Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, 14-13-1. Philadelphia Flyers, 12-12-5. They had uh, won six games uh, in a row, but um, lost, and and they're starting that streak over. The New Jersey Devils, 10-15-5. They've lost six in a row. And then the New York Islanders can't get out of their own way. They're 8-12-6 at the bottom of the Metropolitan Division. Over in the Atlantic Division, Tampa Bay Lightning, 26-4. They've won three in a row. Still don't have Braden Point. Still doesn't matter. They still continue to win. Toronto Maple Leafs are right behind them at 28-2. They've won two in a row. The Florida Panthers, uh, they've lost three in a row, the Panthers have. They're 18-7-4. The Detroit Red Wings, 15-13-3. They still, they've played 31 games, which is... Uh, the most in the league, but uh, they still continue to hang around a playoff spot with that young group. Boston Bruins, 14-10-2. Buffalo Sabres, 10-15-5. The Ottawa Senators, 9-17-2. And And the Montreal Canadiens in the last in the Atlantic at 7-21-3. Over in the Western Conference, the Minnesota Wild, 19-9-2. The Nashville Predators are also one of the hottest teams. They've won seven in a row. They're 19-10-1. The St. Louis Blues are 17-9-5. Colorado Avalanche, 17-8-2. Winnipeg Jets, 14-11-5. They had a little coaching situation happen, and we'll get into that and around the island. My Dallas Stars are 15-12-2. They've won two games in a row heading into the break. Uh, That follows a five-game losing streak, which followed a seven-game winning streak. So talk about a streaky team. Uh, I've mentioned this on all the previous episodes. I don't 
you know, Dallas is just highly mediocre. Their roster would suggest that they're uh, one of the better teams in the Western Conference. Uh, rookie goalie Jake Ottinger, 7-2 and two so far this year, uh, basically forced the release of Anton Hudobin, uh, medical retirement of Ben Bishop. So Ottinger's going to be the guy. Him and Braden Holtby, they're going to have to carry this Stars team that has been very anemic on offense. They've only scored 82 goals, um, which for that offense is very bad. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks are 11-15-4. Arizona Coyotes, 6-21-2. They are the worst team in the NHL. Over in the Pacific Division, the Vegas Golden Knights are 20-12. and Anaheim Ducks are 17-9-6. Calgary Flames, 15-7-6. Edmonton Oilers, they've won two in a row, 18-11. Los Angeles Kings 14 and 11, San Jose Sharks 15 14 and 1. And winners of 6 in a row since uh, Bruce Boudreaux took over as head coach for the Canucks. They are 14 15 and 2. They've won 6 in a row and have moved out of the basement of the Pacific Division. That spot belongs to the Seattle Kraken who are 10 17 and 3, losers of 2 in a row. So those are your updated standings in the NHL uh, as of the holiday break pause. So we'll see. Again, the NHL is set to resume on Monday, December 27th. So we'll see how that goes and how many uh, postponements continue to happen. And also keep an eye on that uh, situation between the travel uh, between Canada and the United States because that is going to impact the way that the NHL games are played, especially with uh, seven Canadian teams. So we'll keep an eye on that as we move forward. But we'll move over to the NBA, and we've seen quite a bit of COVID uh, delays and uh, situations developing here in the NBA as well. And there's been, uh, last week, there were three games that were postponed. Uh, the Nuggets and Nets game, Pelicans and 76ers, Cavaliers and Hawks games all got postponed uh, due to COVID situations amongst those teams in those games. And uh, there's been a lot of 10-day contracts handed out. The NBA can do those 10-day emergency contracts, hardship contracts, I believe is what they're called, and that's to fill their roster with some G League players uh, just for a specific time frame. I know the Mavericks here locally, they've handed out, I think, three of those 10-day contracts, maybe four in the last week. Um, we'll get into them in a second. But uh, NBA League Commissioner Adam Silver, he's already come out and said that uh, there are no plans to pause the league at the moment, uh, unlike the NBA, or the NHL, rather. Uh, the NBA plays on Christmas Day, and <clears throat> the NHL does not. So the NHL always has a little bit of a, a several-day break around Christmas, whereas the NBA, part of Christmas Day, are those uh, five Christmas Day games beginning early in the morning and concluding late at night. And there's also been some some words, some rumors that uh, those Christmas Day games may end up getting uh, changed or, you know, there might be something time change or something happening to those Christmas Day games. I guess we'll find out on Christmas, but uh, props to Commissioner Adam Silver for coming out. And if you haven't heard his Part of his interview on this topic was on Sports Center the other night on ESPN, and he basically said that, you know, last year in 2020, 
the sports world shutting down kind of gave us a, a map, so to speak, of how to uh, create rules and protocols and stuff that need to be followed so we can successfully have a season. And then here this year, uh, they've utilized that roadmap to uh, basically live with it, is what he's saying, is that we're in a spot now where it's, you know, sports is just going to have to continue. You know, this is something that's going to be here, and uh, the NBA does not plan on stopping it. But uh, do a quick standings update. Eastern Conference, the Brooklyn Nets, they're atop the East at 21-9. and nine. Uh, have won seven out of their last ten. They actually, um, they've been having Kevin Durant, James Harden play an inordinate amount of minutes. So due to that, the Nets are actually bringing back Kyrie Irving as a part-time player for games outside of New York. Now, uh, truthfully, I'm not sure why this didn't happen at the beginning of the season. Uh, Kyrie Irving, of course, is unvaccinated, made it well known, has no plans on getting vaccinated, um, but he's hasn't played at all. Um, you know, state of New York, you need to be vaccinated in order to play, whatnot. <clears throat> so the Nets are bringing Irving back as a part-time player, which I think will probably end up uh, keeping that the rest of the year. I mean, why why would you not have the all-star caliber player at least play in games that uh, are not in New York? So stay tuned on that. Uh, Chicago Bulls, they're 19-10. and 10. They've also won seven out of their last 10. Milwaukee Bucks are 21-13. and 13. The Miami Heat are 20 and 13, the Cleveland Cavaliers 19 and 13, the Washington Wizards 17 and 15. The seventh seed currently is Philadelphia 76ers at 16 and 16. The Boston Celtics are also 16 and 16. Charlotte Hornets are 17 and 17. The Atlanta Hawks are 15 and 16. Those are all the teams that are inside that playoff bubble uh, right now. The 11th seed, Toronto Raptors at 14 and 15. New York Knicks at 14 and 18. They've only won three times in their last 10. Uh, Indiana Pacers are 14 and 19. Orlando Magic are 7 and 26. And then the Detroit Pistons last in the league at 5 and 26. Now, I mentioned uh, back in the NHL segment that they broke a 14 game losing streak uh, this past Sunday when the Lions won, which gave them a victory on the same day as the Lions, which happened for the first time since 2017. So pretty bleak stuff there in Detroit. Over in the Western Conference, the Phoenix Suns are currently atop the West at 26-5. and They're on a five-game winning streak. The Golden State Warriors are right behind them, 26-6. and uh, They've won seven out of their last ten. Uh, Golden State, I mentioned, uh, I think last episode potentially, that Steph Curry broke Ray Allen's three-point record, all-time three-point record. Well, Steph Curry did that in only 789 games. It took Ray Allen 1,300 games to get to uh, that record. So Steph Curry did it in almost half the time, which is just absurd, and he's going to continue along this rate. That record uh, almost certainly will not be broken. The <clears throat> Utah Jazz are 22-9. and nine. They've won eight out of their last ten. Memphis Grizzlies have lost three in a row. They're 19 and 14. The Los Angeles Clippers are 17 and 15. The Los Angeles Lakers currently in the sixth spot at 16 and 17. They've lost four games in a row, which is their longest losing streak of the season. And it got worse for them as Anthony Davis 
a key piece to their team, has a sprained MCL in his left knee, so he's going to be out at least four weeks. So we will not be seeing Anthony Davis suit up for another month. The Dallas Mavericks are 15 and 16. Uh, I mentioned they've signed four players this past week to 10-day hardship contracts. Uh, that's because they lost uh, Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis, Tim Hardaway Jr., probably their three top players all to the COVID list. And uh, Doncic has kind of been in and out of the lineup before that with an injury. So the Mavs are just kind of treading water right now. They've only won four uh, out of their last ten. Uh, they're in that uh, play-in tournament as the seventh seed currently, but uh, still lots of basketball left to go. I would not be surprised if they made a big trade deadline acquisition um, in the next couple months. Uh, the Denver Nuggets are the eighth seed in the West at 15 and 16. Minnesota Timberwolves are 15 and 17. San Antonio Spurs are 13 and 18, and they are fresh off of a demolition on Thursday night against the Los Angeles Lakers. They just crushed them, uh, put two games, two-game winning streak together so far. Uh, Portland Trailblazers, they're 13-19. and 19. They've only won twice out of their last 10. Uh, but Damian Lillard uh, this past week became the fourth player uh, to record 40, 40-point games over the last 10 seasons. And he joins Steph Curry, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook in that group. The Sacramento Kings are 13-20. and 20. New Orleans Pelicans are 12 and 21, although they've won four games in a row. The Oklahoma City Thunder are 11 and 20, and the Houston Rockets are last in the West at 10 and 23. They're on a three-game losing streak. So those are the updated standings as of uh, the Christmas Day games or Christmas Eve, I should say. Uh, so the Christmas Day games, they'll they'll update that. But um, keep an eye on those Christmas Day games, like I mentioned. I know there's some. Uh, reports coming out that uh, those games might be altered in in some way. But uh, either way, the, it does not appear that the NBA is going to go the way of the NHL and pause for any specific reason. So uh, that is good news there in the NBA. Uh, but we'll zip over to college football. We are uh, in the midst of bowl season, which is a great time of the year. We'll get into uh, some bowl game recaps, updates here in just a moment. But before we do, uh, there's been a couple of games that have been altered due to COVID, right? Uh, the theme of this episode is obviously the Omicron variant and the way it's impacted sports. And uh, two bowl games have been severely impacted. The first one uh, that, that the news broke about was the Gator Bowl, and that featured Texas A&M uh, and Wake Forest. It was set to play in the Gator Bowl on New Year's Eve. Well, Texas A&M... Uh, had a COVID outbreak, so they ended up having to pull out of the Gator Bowl, which caused the Aggies to miss out on a $5.3 million payout as a uh, school, which to them, that's chump change. But um, So that game's on New Year's Eve. This news broke about midweek this past week. <clears throat> so that was enough time to find another opponent for Wake Forest, and that opponent was the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. They have been named as a replacement team to take Texas A&M spot. Now, how Rutgers got selected, they finished the season 5-7, and seven. Okay, so they weren't bowl eligible based on record. But the bowl selection guidelines allow for teams with uh, non-bowl eligible records to be awarded bids based on their academic progress rate scores. 
so this happens either uh, in a situation like this or when there's not enough bowl-eligible teams based on record. This is how they decide who gets the bowl game slot. So Rutgers had the highest academic progress rate score among all available uh, non-bowl-eligible teams. So that is why they got selected. So the Gator Bowl on New Year's Eve will now feature uh, Wake Forest versus Rutgers instead of Texas A&M. Now this news broke uh, late this week uh, on Thursday, uh, December the 23rd. <clears throat> the Hawaii Bowl featured the uh, 6-7 and seven Hawaii Rainbow Warriors versus the 6-6 six and six Memphis Tigers. This game was scheduled to be played on Friday, December 24th, so Christmas Eve, the next day. So the day before this bowl game, it comes out that Hawaii has a COVID issue and they're not going to be able to play. So being that it was only one day before, there obviously is no way that you could find a replacement team to uh, prepare in one day and fly themselves to Hawaii to play. Now, you could probably get some kind of game plan in the eight to 10 hours it takes to get to Hawaii on a plane, but uh, there would be no practice time and just would not be fair. So the Hawaii Bowl uh, has been canceled. So that will not happen on Friday the 24th, uh, which is a bummer for Memphis, obviously. They were probably already in Hawaii, uh, so they just get a vacation out of it and do not have to play a bowl game. So uh, the only reason the difference is obviously the Gator Bowl, uh, the news broke about a week and a half before the Gator Bowl, so that's why there was plenty of time to find a replacement team. So there's uh, <clears throat> an abbreviated or a changed Gator Bowl and a canceled Hawaii Bowl. But some of the other bowl games, bowl season started back on Friday, December 17th. Had a couple of games there in the Tailgater uh, Cure Bowl, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers beat Northern Illinois 47-41 to capture their first bowl win in program history. Uh, they <clears throat> have put together a couple good seasons. I know their quarterback, Grayson McCall, he's a redshirt sophomore, draft eligible, but he announced that he's coming back to Coastal Carolina next year, uh, which will be good for them. So they got their first bowl win. Uh, the Boca Raton Bowl, Western Kentucky beat Appalachian State 59-38. And Bailey Zappi, the quarterback for Western Kentucky, set uh, a new record, breaking Joe Burrow's uh, 2019 records of passing yards and passing touchdowns in a season. Uh, he had, I think, over 6,000 passing yards and 61 touchdown passes this year. He had six in this bowl game by himself, so a uh, great season for him. Fresno State beat UTEP in the New Mexico Bowl. And in the first shocker in the Independence Bowl, UAB ended up beating number 13 BYU 31-28. So uh, BYU had a really good season, finished ranked number 13, and then ended up losing to uh, an unranked UAB team who ended up finishing their season 9-4. It's not like they were a bad team. They just uh, obviously don't play uh, that many good teams. <clears throat> the uh, Lending Tree Bowl, Liberty clobbered Eastern Michigan 56-20. to and in that game, Liberty quarterback Malik Willis, you'll be hearing more of him come April in the NFL draft, potential first-round pick at quarterback. He had uh, three passing touchdowns to go along with two rushing touchdowns, uh, 290 total yards, five total touchdowns. He uh, definitely improved his draft stock there. In the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl, 
Uh, Utah State beat Oregon State 24-13. In the New Orleans Bowl, Louisiana, uh, after losing their coach to Florida, they beat Marshall 36-21. In the Myrtle Beach Bowl, Tulsa beat Old Dominion 30-17. In the Idaho Potato Bowl, Wyoming, kind of home home field advantage in a way, a little closer than Kent State. They beat them 52-38. And then in the uh, Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl here in Frisco, Texas, San Diego State beat uh, University of Texas San Antonio or UTSA 34 or 38 to 24. Now UTSA had made it all the way up into the uh, top 25 rankings this year um, before losing to North Texas late in the season. They still finished 12 and 2 with this bowl loss, so a good <clears throat> a good season for the Roadrunners. In the Armed Forces Bowl, Army ended up beating Missouri on a last second field goal 24-22. And then in the uh, Frisco Football Classic, again here in Frisco, Texas, Miami of Ohio beat North Texas, which was basically a home game. Uh, Frisco's not that far from Denton. And uh, Miami beat North Texas 27-14. And in the uh, Gasparilla Bowl, University of Central Florida beat the University of Florida 29-17. And things got ugly in that one. There was kind of a Benches clearing brawl there at the end of the game. Uh, you get two Florida teams uh, playing a bowl game at Raymond James Stadium in Florida, and uh, things obviously got a little testy there. But that's where we're at with college football in the bowl season. Obviously a lot, lot more bowl games to be played over the next week, including all of the big ones. Uh, last week's episode I talked about who my predictions were for the – uh, national championship. Uh, I'm predicting an Alabama Georgia rematch uh, with Alabama winning the national title. So uh, stay tuned to bowl season. And I'm just curious to see how many uh, other bowl games get impacted by this Omicron variant. But we'll move on to our segment called Around the Island, and that's where we do some quick news topics from across all of the various sports. We'll start off in the National Football League. We uh, The Pro Bowl rosters for the 2022 Pro Bowl have been announced, and I'll just run through uh, the AFC and the NFC, just kind of some highlights. I don't need to list off every single player. Uh, the AFC's roster, uh, the three quarterbacks are Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. Three running backs are Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, and Joe Mixon. Wide receivers in the AFC. Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, Keenan Allen. The tight ends are Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey. And then on defense, uh, you got some defensive linemen, uh, DeForest Buckner, Miles Garrett, Trey Hendrickson. At linebacker, you got T.J. Watt, uh, Joey Bosa is kind of that hybrid, Matthew Judon. At corner, you got J.C. Jackson, Xavier Howard, Denzel Ward, Kenny Moore. On the back end, safety, Derwin James, Tyron Matthew, Kevin Byard, and then, of course, Justin Tucker is their kicker. Over in the NFC, there are three quarterbacks <clears throat> for the NFC, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Kyler Murray. This is Tom Brady's 15th Pro Bowl selection, which is a record. The running backs in the NFC, uh, Dalvin Cook, James Conner, and Alvin Kamara. Wide receivers, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, and Debo Samuel. 
The tight ends are George Kittle and Kyle Pitts. And then on defense, you got some defensive linemen, of course, Aaron Donald, Nick Bosa, uh, Micah Parsons, Bobby Wagner seems to be a fixture. Uh, and then at corner, you have Trevon Diggs, NFL leading 10 interceptions, Jalen Ramsey, Darius Slay, Marshawn Lattimore. And then at safety, you got Buda Baker, Harrison Smith, and Quandre Diggs. And the kicker is Matt Gay of the Rams. So pretty good rosters. Uh, I didn't really highlight uh, either of the offense or defensive linemen, uh, but there are a total of four rookies that have made the Pro Bowl. On the AFC, it's Jamar Chase and Rashawn Slater, the offensive tackle from the Chargers. And in the NFC, the rookies are Kyle Pitts, the tight end, and Micah Parsons, the linebacker from the Dallas Cowboys. So there's four rookies, a couple of notable snubs. Uh, Austin Eckler in the AFC has uh, over 17 rushing touchdowns. I think he's got 17 rushing touchdowns and several more receiving touchdowns this year. So he got left out. Although when you're you got Mixon, Chubb, and Jonathan Taylor, you're you're kind of in some elite company. And then over in the NFC, <clears throat> uh, Cordero Patterson for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, he's had a really good year. He's uh, dual position eligible at running back or receiver. Uh, you know, I I think you know James Conner for the Cardinals uh, has had uh, fourteen or fifteen touchdowns, which I think is more than Patterson. But um, you know, he would be about the only one. All four receivers in the NFC are really uh, just amazing players. So. Uh, but those are just two of the more notable snubs uh, in the Pro Bowl, which, of course, we'll find out here in about a month who is actually playing in the Pro Bowl because uh, the two teams that make it to the Super Bowl do not send anybody. Uh, the Colts lead the way with seven players selected. Um, the Colts, yeah, they, they had seven. Uh, Tampa Bay had uh, five or six, I believe, six players. And the Dallas Cowboys sent five to the Pro Bowl. So uh, I always like the Pro Bowl. A lot of people don't care for it, but I like the skills challenge they do a couple days before. It just makes it more fun. But staying in the NFL, I came across these uh, viewing statistics so far in the 2021 season. Uh, there's been an average viewership of 16.8 million viewers per NFL game, which is a 7% increase from last year the 2020 season with no fans in the stands. Um, NFL games are 47 of the top 50 shows on TV since the start of the NFL season, and the top five games in viewership <clears throat> so far this year going from five to one. Number five, the opening week matchup, Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 24.8 million viewers. Number four, the Thanksgiving Day game between the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions at 26.7 million. Number three was uh, Tom Brady's return to New England, Tampa Bay versus New England. In week four, it was 26.9 million viewers. Number two, the Dallas Cowboys and the Kansas City Chiefs in week 11, that was 28.1 million viewers. And then the most watched game so far this NFL season was the Thanksgiving Day game between the Las Vegas Raiders and the Dallas Cowboys in Week 12 came in at 37.8 million viewers, which is insane. And you'll notice that my Cowboys are in three of those games. So 
uh, and they only won. Actually, they lost all three of those games. So uh, the, the, the nation's perception of the Cowboys uh, when they tune in uh, might not be as good as the weekly one we get here uh, watching them every week. But I just thought that was uh, interesting to go over. Over in the National Hockey League, Winnipeg Jets, their head coach, Paul Maurice, uh, this past week he resigned as the Jets head coach. Uh, he was in his ninth season with Winnipeg, had a record of 315, 223, and 62 in 600 games. And Paul Maurice stated that uh, the reason he, he left totally on his own recognizance, and he said, quote, they need a new voice. They need somebody to help them get them to that next place. So uh, Maurice, I guess, felt like his time in Winnipeg had just gotten stale, and uh, he didn't think that he was going to take the Jets further than where they th- could probably go. Uh, in the meantime, Jets assistant coach Dave Lowry is going to step in as the interim head coach. So interesting development there for the Jets. <clears throat> and then uh, in response to the rising COVID cases for the Omicron variant, the uh, Ontario Canadian government, of course Ontario is just a province, the Ontario government is reinstating capacity limits for large venues. So games for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and the Ottawa Senators, uh, and of course in the NBA, the Toronto Raptors as well, since they share uh, the uh, Scotiabank Centre with the Maple Leafs, they're all going to be limited at 50% capacity. And here stateside, uh, the New York Rangers announced that uh, Madison Square Garden that children from ages 5 to 11 are going to have to be vaccinated in order to attend games at Madison Square Garden. So this is in accordance with New York City's vaccine mandate. So uh, some interesting news there. I would expect that maybe to rise or continue uh, in other uh, sports capacities. We'll see. Uh, hopefully this, this variant doesn't last very long, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Over in Major League Baseball... Uh, Not much to report. We're still obviously in a lockout in MLB, uh, but the most important news from MLB was that Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association met for the first time since the lockout uh, to begin negotiations on their new collective bargaining agreement. And from the reports that came out, uh, the meeting went pretty well, lasted a while, and they discussed a multitude of topics. Uh, Both sides were uh, receptive, and so that's promising news for Major League Baseball. Uh, they have really, I think, pitchers and catchers report sometime in January. So uh, they really have about another month or so to kind of get things where they need to be. Uh, spring training, I think, starts in February. So uh, they really are kind of on a tight time frame if, if they want to get that done. But at least uh, that was better than the last time the two sides tried to talk about it at the end of last year where they only met for seven minutes, uh, didn't get anything done. So Hopefully, we'll have some more to report here in Major League Baseball. But we did have two teams hire new managers, which I'm not sure how you can do. I guess managers technically aren't players, so they don't have to be treated like the players do during a lockout. But the two teams to hire new managers were the New York Mets and the Oakland A's. Now, the Mets, they hired Buck Showalter to be their manager. Showalter, he's 65 years old, and he's previously managed four teams between 1992 and 2018. And he's won AL Manager of the Year uh, during his managerial stints with the New York Yankees, the Texas Rangers, and the Baltimore Orioles. 
He also has managed the Arizona Diamondbacks. So in his career, he's just over 500 as a manager. He's 15-51 and 15-17. So, um, but he is a well-respected manager. And new ace pitcher Max Scherzer for the New York Mets. Uh, when he got uh, when he signed that massive contract, that's going to pay him 45 million dollars a season. He was very vocal about the Mets hiring Showalter as their new manager. So I'm positively sure that Max Scherzer's influence had something to do with why Showalter ended up getting the job. So um, we'll see what he's got quite the roster. The Mets have been very active in free agency before the lockout. So uh, he definitely has a good roster to take them very far. Now the Oakland A's, they hired Mark Kotze as their manager. Kotze is 46 years old, and he has never been a head manager of a ball club. He was most recently, this past season, the third base coach for the Oakland A's, and he also, prior to that, was a bench coach for the A's under manager Bob Melvin, who, of course, jettisoned Oakland to go be the manager of the San Diego Padres. So Kotze is not a flashy name like Showalter, but he has been in the A's organization for a while and is well-respected amongst the A's players. Back over in college football, we talked about the bowl games. There were several high-profile players who have officially made their declaration uh, for the NFL draft, uh, all underclassmen. Michigan State running back Kenneth Walker III announced that he is opting out of the Peach Bowl and will be entering the NFL draft. He just won the Doak Walker Award, put up ridiculous numbers, Uh, I don't know if he'll be a first-round pick, but he's definitely going to be uh, a day one or day two pick for sure. Uh, Mississippi State offensive lineman Charles Cross, he declared for the upcoming draft. He's also skipping their bowl game. Uh, Cross is physically as gifted as they come on the offensive line, just super strong. He, I have seen many a mock drafts already with him projected as a top 10 pick top 15 at the latest, so Charles Cross will be hearing his name called very early in April's draft, so he will be going to the NFL. And then Texas A&M tight end Jalen Weidermeyer, uh, which he said he was going to skip their bowl game, which obviously now is a moot point because the Gator Bowl, uh, the the Aggies have been removed from the Gator Bowl, but uh, Weidermeyer, um, he is a huge tight end, probably the most athletically gifted tight end in this draft class. He is turning pro after his junior year. Uh, And then the transfer portal uh, has stayed blazing hot. There's really been too many to kind of go over and list. Uh, We've already covered some of the bigger names. A couple of big-name quarterbacks that you might know that have transferred since the last episode – uh, former Auburn quarterback Bo Nix grew up in Auburn, right around Auburn. Always dreamed to be in the Auburn quarterback. Spent two seasons as the starter. Well, he's off to Eugene to go play for the Oregon Ducks. So Bo Nix has transferred to Oregon, and then the other big name would be Keaton Slovis of USC. Uh, Slovis kind of lost his starting job at the end of the year to freshman Jackson Dart. So uh, he's moving from the sunny confines of Southern California all the way over to the Northeast to go play for Pitt, the University of Pittsburgh Panthers. So Slovis will be the new quarterback for Pitt. Uh, Again, there's just really too many uh, transfers to stay on top of. So if you're interested in seeing who's all transferred, just go 
check out the transfer portal list online. But uh, yeah, so that's that's going to do it um, for this episode. Like I said, I, I didn't know if I was going to get another one in before the end of the calendar year, but uh, we may still even squeeze one more in. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, this Omicron stuff has been absolutely insane. It's causing way too much of a disruption for my liking. Uh, hopefully we can get through it. Uh, but in the meantime, you guys have a safe and happy holidays. Thanks for listening to the Sports Island Podcast. Be sure and find it on Facebook at Sports Island Podcast. I'm Rick Mitchell, and I'll catch you next time right here on the Sports Island Podcast, which is available everywhere you listen to podcasts.